Another pot of coffee is brewing and my fifth cup is almost finished. So that means it's time for another episode of Not Before Coffee. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, film addict, hermit, long-term depression sufferer, and most importantly, caffeine fiend. This week is going to be slightly different in that I've actually got for the first time a guest who is going to be with me for the entire episode. It's an ex-colleague of mine called Debbie and she is going to be here to talk about a lot of things that she's been going through during the furlough process as she has been furloughed since the 1st of April and will soon fingers crossed, be returning to her work, though obviously not her office, due to lockdown to the really bad sequel, as well as talking about the detrimental effects that long-term furlough have had on her mental health. We will also be looking at a film that touches on mental health in many ways, and that is the 2012 film by Stephen O. Russell, Silver Linings Playbook. And every time I do that, I pause because I'm struggling to remember the title of the film. But before we get into all of that, it's time for another installment of My Dreams Are Fucking Weird. However, in this instance, it's more Debbie's Dreams Are Fucking Weird. <laughs> so you've mentioned, you mentioned in our conversation you had some very strange dreams about work colleagues. Are you going to share yeah. one of those or something else? <laughs> no names can, have to be mentioned. I, <laughs> no names have to be mentioned. Oh, um, I'm surprised actually that I still remember this. Um, it's all coming back to me quite vividly. Um, so I'd been with my ex-boyfriend um, probably about six, seven years by that time. And um, there was a, a, a guy who I worked with in the office um, of, uh, he was, old gentleman I'd probably say in about his 50s um does tai chi and yoga so looked quite um um you know kind of good for his age and in that respect I did not think that he was particularly that good looking at all and then ended up having a dream that I'd had an affair with him (laughs) luckily nothing too graphic um or anything like that it was more kind of like meeting up in secret and um kind of um and having talks about it doing tai chi and doing yoga together and and things and you know meeting for coffee and stuff thankfully nothing sexually explicit in this dream otherwise that would have still been that would have been even more mortifying and um, I went into work the next day because he only worked part-time um and he was at work and I couldn't talk to him at all (laughs) which my friend um found amusing and asked me why and it found it even more amusing after I told her about the uh the dream and me having an affair with him and that was it she just wouldn't let it go for the rest of the day but do you think that anything (laughs) actually drove the dream or was it just a case of Obviously, something else was on your mind and that was a distraction. Um, I think something else was on my mind and that was the distraction. I mean, as I said, I didn't particularly find him that attractive at all. So I'm very shocked that I would um, actually dream about someone that I didn't find attractive. Um, And that kind of threw me a little bit because it's like, well, maybe I did find him attractive then, you know, subconsciously. And that's why I I was dreaming about him because 
I had been talking to a friend about um, sort of affairs and, and things and how um, if I was not happy in a relationship that I would then just, just walk away. Didn't quite happen that way in the end, but, you know, these I things happen. We did have, we had that conversation several yes. times. <laughs> yes. And um, so I think it may have been something to do with that. I, For my dreams, especially anyway, if I've been talking to somebody about something specific, um, I can dream about that. Um, or if I've been watching a film and part of that film has been um, sort of a bit more planted in, in my brain, I can think about that as well. Um, and conversations that I just, that I have so I could be talking to someone about the weather and then have a dream about um I don't know a tsunami or um like being in a blizzard or or something um along those lines so yeah it's all a bit weird my my dreams have always been weird so it's more reality invades your dreams rather than your dreams twisting it into something far more unlike my weird and wonderful dreams (laughs) I don't know what I never know what to make of mine but they they yours sound far more easy to make sense of I suppose very much so I mean mine kind of like manifests what it is that I'm feeling at the time as well so I get a lot of anxiety dreams and and used to have a lot of anxiety dreams when I was younger so you know the usual falling teeth falling out and and things I didn't really understand what it was associated with so um and when I was younger there was no internet as such no um and it wasn't until kind of um, you could get more access to the internet that I started looking into dreams and what they meant and Freud and um, and what he thought that um, dreams were like. Um, so I looked through that when I was doing my um, my degree for, for my psychology degree. There are so many different types of dream you can have. So what are the worst ones that Debbie has experienced it seems that fighting plays a big part in some of them fighting fight oh like proper you're getting in there you're really angry at this person and you're trying to punch them and it it either misses them by miles so you've put like loads of effort in and you've missed them by like miles or it's just tap on the face you're like what the hell I just like proper punched you and all you get is a tap on the jaw and that's it. You don't even go down. Nothing. It's like, that's, what? That's disappointing. Especially if you it really is, don't like this person or you're really frustrated at them. Yeah, I think th- this particular one that I remember, um, my ex and I had had an argument about his ex. And me and his ex didn't get on anyway, even when they they were together and they were friends. Um and we were friends, I should say, well, we weren't really friends, but um, we still didn't get on. We tolerated each other because um, we had mutual friends. So um, when when me and, and my ex got together and, and we had an argument about her, um, yeah, I'd ended up having a, um, a dream that I was be- trying to beat the crap out of her and I couldn't. <laughs> That's the thing. I find that so many people in my dreams are faceless they aren't yeah, specific. Right. there are there are a few people that will I will visibly be able to make out like in the dream I had a couple of weeks ago I could see my brother very very clearly but everybody else was kind of like this blur you know the the horrible unidentifiable faces that you see in frightening episodes of Doctor Who mm-hmm. so yours always have faces or are there sometimes 
No, um, it's it's really strange because it, it's not like you see the face. You just know it. You just have this sense that it's that person. On the odd occasion, I would see a face, but um, it kind of a, a bit blurry to a certain extent. There's no sort of um, clear features to to them at all. No, but you just know that in that feeling that that you have, who it is that you're, you know, you're fighting against or running away from, or but is that more? your internal frustration at these people bringing that image forward rather than it actually being there it could be a it could be a goddam for example um i think it's that internal frustration because you've been talking about that person and that they're so um much in the forefront of your mind that you you feel the essence that it's them and but yeah they could have been you know anybody really for me it's the frustrating thing that you're trying to you know beat the crap out of them and then you you don't and I think that um I find that frustrating and a couple of times I've woken up and I've you know my arms have been quite rigid where I've been you know ready to punch or been trying to punch and um I think a couple of times my ex was like you hit me in, in your sleep I'm like did I have an oopsie you know <laughs> so I can't control what I do in my sleep yeah notice she says ex <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, talking dreams and mental health isn't the only reason that Debbie has joined me today. We're also going to be talking about film. And as I previously mentioned, this one is definitely mental health appropriate. We are talking about the 2012 film Silver Linings Playbook, which was obviously released in 2012, was directed by David O. Russell and based on a book by Matthew Quick. Apparently, David O. Russell actually took five years rewriting the script to, uh, because he couldn't get it right and he was still told that it was going to be a really difficult film to take to screen. This obviously mm-hmm. is also the film that Jennifer Lawrence won her Oscar for, for Best Actress. It was the first of four films she was in with Bradley Cooper. I know you're you're thinking, oh my god, four films with Bradley Cooper. It's not a franchise. <laughs> they work really well together, though. They do. However, I do have some comments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the other films that they worked on together were American Hustle, Joy, and Serena. And I think out of those, I've seen American Hustle. And I've seen American Hustle, but I don't think I've seen Joy or it, Serena yet. Both of those are on Netflix. Awesome. I shall get on and watch that over the next couple of days. Yeah. Joy is a, the story of the woman who made the mop. I also starred Robert De Niro in the role of Bradley Cooper's father called Patrizio, who was doing something very, very questionable as an illegal bookie. Yes. Okay, so what did you think of it? I mean, I've seen it before and I this is one of the many options I gave <laughs> I gave as a what yeah. shall we watch? And I felt given the subject matter that we were talking about, it was quite appropriate to have a film that covered the subject of mental health in the way that this does. So Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then um when I watched the trailer before I watched the film, realized that I had actually seen it. Um <laughs> probably when I was first furloughed actually so I'm surprised I didn't remember that I um that I'd seen it 
but I really liked it. Um, it's not really a genre that I go for. Um, and because it was um, more to do with mental health at that time when it came out, yeah. I don't think I was in um, sort of the proper mental state to actually watch it and, uh, and appreciate it, having, you know, suffering with mental health issues myself. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I got the twist um, quite early on. Uh, well, not early on, but um, I got the twist um, pretty much as as it happened. Um, I don't know how much we can give away. So I can, it came out eight years ago. Come on. OK, so I got the twist when he gave the, the letter. I kind of got um, that she might actually um, be the one that that responds back to him rather than his ex. Well, um, ex-wife or estranged wife. Estranged wife. And I really felt sorry for Jen. Oh, what's Tiff, isn't it? Tiff, Jennifer Tiff, Lawrence's yeah. character. It was. Yeah, indeed. I really felt sorry for her, um, and and related to her quite quite well um, with all the um, kind of stuff that she was going through, having lost her husband, and um, sort of going through the grieving process of that more than anything else, and. Um, the Robert De Niro character I really enjoyed, um, especially with his OCD and also his depressive episodes too. And then realised that they were showing how depression can actually be hereditary because of what had happened to Pat himself. But it showed to me that it could be hereditary. Um, and I like the Chris Tucker um oh he was brilliant guy he was amazing Danny. Yeah. he was so funny loved it loved it it's the thing I went on to letterbox which is a review a a review site and also a place where you can log kind of like goodreads for films and there the actual summary for the film is a grand total of three lines and one word and the title watch for the signs after spending eight months in a mental institution, a former teacher moves back in with his parents and tries to reconcile with his ex-wife. That's the summary of the film that somebody gave this on, to let- on Letterboxd. And it's like, okay, so what about Tiffany? The thing is, one thing I did notice, and it was quite frustrating, but at the same time I could understand why, they're doing, why they did it, was that Tiffany was never diagnosed with anything. She talked about all the no. medication. She talked about all the medication she'd taken. Funnily enough, I ta- I've taken quite a few of the same ones. But <laughs> they never actually mention, they never give her a specific diagnosis. Whereas we know from almost the word go that Pat's character, Bradley Cooper's character, Pat, had bipolar disorder that was undiagnosed for such a long time that when he had his mental break and was essentially he ends up in the mental institute because he found his wife in a shower with another teacher seriously and you couldn't make this stuff up (laughs) no you really couldn't he found her in the shower with another teacher and he beat this guy almost to death because he experienced a psychotic break essentially which you know is um happens Unfortunately, it you know it these things do happen, Um, and also with Tiff's character, that happens as well, where you're not necessarily diagnosed with um, having depression, or you know part of the grief part of grieving is depression. 
um and i and the way that they portrayed that um i think was quite nicely done um and yes you um because she was grieving people don't necessarily associate that with having depression but they'll still give you um medication but they i think this is the thing with me with having um my own mental health issues and i didn't take antidepressants but i did go for the therapy um would i have coped better or easier with if i had taken antidepressants too i don't know i can't say yes or no to that right now because i didn't take them but um for therapy i would definitely recommend because um th- did they meet at group therapy oh no, no they um they were introduced when they were, they? Introduced, they were introduced by his friend and his wife's friend. sister yes yeah yeah um and you know she i think that she would have definitely benefited um from going to some form of like grief counseling um to help her understand why she felt the way that she did but yeah sleeping with all those people and Bradley Cooper's face when he was like and girls yeah <laughs> <laughs> see that was the thing i i preferred yeah. tiffany's character to to pat and I don't know if it was because he seemed, though there were so many dimensions to Tiffany's character and she seemed to have so much depth to her, I found that he was very one-dimensional in many ways. I don't know if it was it, it was intentionally that way, but he seemed almost wooden. It was like he was going through the motions. And okay, so he probably was going through the motions of life. And I found his constant mentions of his wife really annoying and I've been to group therapy I've taken the medication and I still do and I will do forever thank you so much but I didn't find him an an easy character to sympathize with is that because of your own mental health issues that you um maybe could relate to him a little bit too much or I don't I don't know I I found I didn't find it uncomfortable watching him, which normally I would if it was something I was, I think, <laughs> internally, I think, if I were identifying him with, with him far more, I'd feel really uncomfortable and unnerved recognizing elements of my own character mm-hmm. in this person, in somebody on screen. It was more, I think, that he was very stiff. Mm-hmm. He uh, it sounds he reminded me very much of his character in Limitless, which made <laughs> me think he was very one dimensional as an actor more than anything. I don't. It was he was nominated for an Oscar for this as well, and he still hasn't won one despite being nominated what four times now. Yeah, I think so. Because wasn't he um, also nominated in American Hustle? Because I think Jennifer Lawrence was nominated for that as well they were both nominated for that and then Mm. he was nominated for something else and then obviously he was nominated for star 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 is born Born. yes (laughs) (laughs) i talked about that very briefly last week because it's going to be appearing on i think it's on amazon from the 27th so friday i'll have to watch that because i haven't watched it yet I haven't watched it yet um, because I cannot stand that song. <laughs> just fast forward through the song, mute it, 
<laughs> I pre- you see, I prefer the Barbara Streisand version anyway. I like Barbara Streisand I, and Chris Christopherson. Yeah, I really enjoyed that that version of it. Um, and I, I mean, I saw that years ago, um, and it wasn't until I'd like read the synopsisy bit of *The Star Is Born*, and I'm going, I've heard, I'm sure I've seen a film like this before, and um, then realised what it was um, a this remake is, or redo. This is, or this is the fourth, the fourth incarnation. Yeah of this particular film. So it is, it's one of those that I'd rather see the 76 than mm-hmm. I would the 2018, even the 54 with Judy Garland. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. I think that might also be on the, Amazon, but the, <laughs> the original came out in the, I would yeah. say the original came out in the thirties or something, but I find Bradley Cooper may well be a great act. I like him as Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. I he's love brilliant him as, as that. Raccoon. But I just find his face is very expressionless. Really? Yes. I don't know if that's just my okay. personal interpretation. I find him very expressionless as a ca- as he's not a character actor. I liked the film. I really did. I think that the story was incredibly powerful and I think that it was equal parts moving and funny and had depth. But I don't think that Bradley Cooper was the right person for the role. I was going to ask that question if you thought that he was um, the right person. His parents were fantastically played, both of them. I felt the fight scene that between him and his dad when his you could sense his mum was getting really really upset and everything else that was amazingly done but mm-hmm. he wasn't the strongest part and i think because he was he was outplayed by almost every single person in the film could that have also been done on purpose through the edit i don't you see i don't know what the intention was because he was supposed to be the main character he, him and Tiffany were supposed to be the main roles in the mm. film. And I felt that he was somewhat, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't feel that he was the strongest thing. If the film had been just about him and his life and there had been no Jennifer Lawrence as Tiffany and his parents had been played by actors other than Robert De Niro. And now I'm going to have to look it up because I cannot remember the woman who played. No, I can't remember her name either. And I do feel that it would have it wouldn't have been such a strong Jackie Weaver played his mother. It had a very, very strong cast, and he just was the weakest part of it. Mm. For me, that's my personal view. I don't think that he was I don't know if it's because I'm coloured by the fact that I see him in roles like the one he played in in Limitless and Rocket Raccoon and thing and obviously and face in <laughs> in the eighteenth film. <laughs> but it is he doesn't come across to me as the kind of actor that can carry an entire film. I think for me, um he's more of a a, a comedic actor. I think um he's better placed in something like the eighteen. Um, then well, he was in he, the Wedding Crashes as well. I think, and apparently, I, think, and I don't apparently remember that. The reason, 
one of the reasons he got approached for this film because there were several other people had been considered for the roles initially in fact i remember reading this the other day and there were several other people that had been initially outlined for the role mm-hmm. including anne hathaway was originally for tiff. for tiffany but she left um left production before filming started due to an issue with David O. Russell, Hmm. apparently. Originally, the role was intended to go to Vince Vaughan and Zoe Deschanel. Oh, that would have Then Mark Wahlberg was set to work on the film. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Apparently, Bradley Cooper was initially considered for another role in Pride, Prejudice and Zombies that Russell was was working on. Mm -hmm. But having seen Cooper's performance in Wedding Crashes, saying he had great good guy, bad guy energy. Yeah, he does. I mean, you know, the fact that all he could think about was he wanted to get back with his wife. Um, So he did what he thought was what he wanted. Um, what she would want him to do to get back with her. So read all the books that she, she was the English teacher, wasn't she? Yeah, and he was a history so, sub. Yeah, so he um, read all the books that she had been um, teaching. And um, <laughs> when he chucked the Ernest Hemingway book out of the window. Yeah, For Whom the Bell Tolls is a pretty heavy book, to be fair. <laughs> and um, then proceeds to wake his parents up and, and um, shout at them um about what was wrong with the book (laughs) um that was quite funny but it uh, but that was um as you said that was his underlying sort of obsession wasn't it throughout the film yeah was um that it, it was his focus um to to get back with his wife and um it wasn't until um he clicked and realized who had um, actually written the response back to his letter that he realised how much he was in love with Tiff. So, which I think is is quite you know quite a pivotal moment that. Yeah. Um, and but people, I mean, for me, I saw that like about half an hour before <laughs> before he did. Going, how did you not get this love? And and you could see that um, that he did actually want to um, pursue something with her, but was so focused on his wife um, that he didn't give himself chance to um, see what was in, in front of him until it was almost too late. Yeah, but then, but, of you course... Know, it's typical rom-com then, isn't it? But then there's also the other side of the twist. Not only was she the one who wrote the letter, but her parents, his parents, had been conspiring with her to get mm. her to the locations where he was running and everything else so they were pushed together but at the same time they show their disapproval in in the traditional method of if we disapprove of my if we disapprove of that person they're going to want to be even closer to them and that was the one thing I found that Jennifer Lawrence's acting was far more convincing than his was she was incredibly erratic in her moods whereas Mm -hmm. he seemed very measured and it was almost like he was saying, right, I'm going to stand in this spot because this is where my spot is. And then when somebody clicks action, I'm going to move to somewhere else. And that's how it felt to me. It was very 
he was very strictly scripted almost, far more so than she was. But then, I mean, if he's been through therapy, if he's on his medication, because I don't think she was, or if she is, it was very erratic that she was taking it. So yeah, but he's he on his medication. On, but he wasn't to start with. He was refusing to take his medication. Oh, yes, because he kept spitting it out, didn't he? Yeah, saw him spit exactly. it out after when he was given it. So sounds really bad. It wasn't the most flattering picture of mental health. No, but he was constantly erratic. There was no there was no downtime and bipolar disorder is very it is complicated and but there are highs and lows and he never seemed to have any for me it just seemed that he was on a down throughout that film he was on a downer um until it was the um the football match and they're all outside and those guys are being racist and then the fight ensues and he stood there going I'm not going to get in a fight I'm not going to get in a fight I'm not going to get in a fight until he and gets then, his brother yeah <laughs> and then what happened it's like oh here we go and that seemed to kind of almost give him a bit of relief as well getting um in there and and sort of um helping support supporting his brother it's not really the right thing to say but you know, after his brother got hit and he's kind of like, oh, you can't do that to my brother. Defending. And then in he goes, that's the fella. Well, that's <laughs> the word I should say. That's I was going to say, I was surprised to see that apparently, originally, Jennifer Lawrence wasn't considered for the role because she was too young. Mm. Which is interesting when you consider that one of the people that was casting was Harvey Weinstein. Um, <gasps> oh yes, I forgot. It did come up as a Weinstein. Yeah, I was, I was, tr- I was Ooh. doing my very, very best to ignore that because. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Elizabeth. This is the thing. They were such a varied, var- a variety of actresses were considered for the role of Tiffany, including Elizabeth Banks, Kirsten Dunst. Blake Lively, Rooney Mara, Olivia Wilde, Rachel McAdams, and Angelina Jolie. Wow. And no, none of them really would have been able to have done that character the same justice. But, I, you know, it's the same thing that Indiana Jones was supposed to be Tom Selleck, but he'd already signed to do um, Magnum P.I., so he couldn't do it. Now, could you actually see him as Indiana Jones instead of Harrison Ford? Would he have done, um, you know, would he have been as effective as Harrison Ford yeah, was the, playing I Indiana think, Jones? I think the difference is if we'd seen Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford had never been cast, would it have made, would we have had the same attachment to the role as we do with Harrison Ford in it because there is you think about it Tom Cruise was originally considered for the role of Tony Stark I'd have never watched a Marvel film <laughs> oh my god neither would have I Tom Cruise yeah Tom He's Cruise just, was Tom no, Cruise was originally no. considered for the role Jensen Ackles got to the last round of auditions for the role of Captain America as did no. as did John Krasinski it is all down to if we'd seen these other people in the roles, we'd have probably yeah. accepted them absolutely fine. It was purely because True. other people True. played them, which is why when then... someone's yeah, which is why when somebody says, "Oh well, who could you see in this role other than somebody else?" It's like it's very difficult, even if we don't like a person in a role, to get 
to say, well, I think that that person could have done it better because you don't know in certain circumstances, other actors may well have been depending on the direction they're given, the script they're given and everything else. And the ability to play something different, if they would be able to take something away from it that somebody else didn't. Yeah, that is true, actually. With regard to Silver Linings Playbook, is it a film that you think you'd watch over and over or is it just one of those that every once in a while you'll pull it out? I think it'd be one that I would pull out every now and again. It's not something that I would... um, I mean, no disrespect to the film or anything. Um, I think it's, you know, it can get a little bit um, hard going and it's not, you know, like watching sliding doors where you can just put it on and it's background noise and you kind and you know, you know, um, it's a film that I can watch over and over again because you just take your head off and um, and just watch it without actually having to pay too much attention to it. But it would, it, you know, it would be something that um, I would consider watching maybe in another six months or, you know, um, maybe another year or um, it may just pop up in my thoughts and um, just randomly um, and I'll go, oh yeah, well, you know, I'll watch that or I'll just put it on while I'm milling about or... So it's not some, that's the thing. I mean, there are certain films that I know I will purposely pick up off the shelf and go, oh, I desperately want to watch this today. And then there are other films. It's like, oh, I can't find anything else to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's, a, oh, I can't find it, you know, can't find something to watch. I'll just randomly watch something, but it's definitely not a date movie. Um, not for me anyway. Um, <laughs> but it, um, Maybe, I don't know, maybe third, fourth date. No, I'm kidding. It's not, not a date movie. It's like, um, oh, hi, do you, want to, do you want to find out how my brain works? Let's watch this film all yeah. about depression. <laughs> <laughs> all about depression, yeah. So now Debbie and I have set the world of movies to rights, sort of. It's time to do my weekly rundown of the new films, TV and everything else that is coming to streaming services near you if you live in the UK. Obviously this is only running up until the 2nd of December and as you know things get manic at the beginning of every month on most streaming services in the UK though we are heading to Christmas so maybe that's different this time. Who knows? Anyway, on with the list. First of all, I'm going to look at Netflix. There is not masses arriving on the streaming service for the last few days in November. However, come December the 1st, it is all guns blazing and there is loads arriving on the streaming platform, including the following. And this is all on the 1st of December, by the way. Cats and Dogs. Yeah, the original warring animal movie. Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. I don't think I have anything to say about that one. The 1993 classic with Michael Douglas, Falling Down. Galaxy Quest, and I cannot wait for this to come back. It's been a while since I've seen it. And I know that there is actually a documentary on the making of the film available on Amazon Prime right now. We also have Journey 2 with The Rock. And I always sit there and I go, I'm going to call him by his real name, Dwayne Johnson, and then I still call him The Rock. We also have the documentary about Miles Davis called Birth of the Cool. We have TV stroke movie adaptation, The Sweeney. Sucker Punch, 
which is a film by Zack Snyder. And then we have Wild Wild West, the film that meant Will Smith turned down the role of Neo in The Matrix. And to top it all off, we have The Holiday Movies That Made Us, which is, of course, an annual documentary. I have no doubt it's not going to be including the normal Christmas films because they're already on there. Amazon is another one that is, oh my God, so busy. I looked at the list and I thought, no, that can't be right. But no joke, Amazon on December the 1st, we have Air Force One, 2012, A League of Their Own, which I know many have done episodes on in the past, including Best Film Ever, Angels and Demons, which is the first book, but the second film in the Robert Langdon series. We have Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, The King's Speech, Thank You for Smoking, The Hurt Locker, Spanglish, Full Moon High, Ghost Town, Priest, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, True Lies, which of course was done in an episode by Spy Hards last week. Then we also have a few James Bond films, Dr. No, GoldenEye, Goldfinger and The Spy Who Loved Me. We also obviously have <laughs> loads of TV shows and another film called Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Disney Plus. Oh God, every single week I say, please Disney, don't disappoint me. Unfortunately, nothing that is arriving on the Disney Plus platform in the UK or the US actually arrives until the 4th of December when the live action Mulan moves in front of the paywall. However, until that point, it's just going to be a case of episodes of The Mandalorian and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7. Looking at what's to come on Netflix and Amazon over December, I have no doubt that the coming weeks are going to be absolutely filled with new shows and new films. So do not despair when the only things coming to Disney Plus happen to be behind the scenes of their film Clouds. and. A, I believe they've got Soul being released on the 25th of December and a couple of other made for Disney Plus films. Apart from that, that is, well, apart from that, that is all there is for this week on streaming services. But if I've missed anything, do let me know. I am sure there is something that hasn't come up on one of the sites that I use as a resource. And it would be great to know if I have missed anything out. Now it comes the wonderful bit that is discussing mental health. (gasps) I know, I know. Not that we haven't actually been discussing it all the way through anyway. But for anyone who lives in the UK and actually in the US, I think they have a similar scheme, though not at at the moment. The UK government in March interview introduced something called furlough, a furlough scheme, and that essentially allowed st- um, companies to reduce their staff without reducing their staff permanently by putting a load by putting many team members on long-term leave with a percentage of their pay covered by the government. Some companies covered the additional missing salary which was 20% others didn't and the reduced teams would work either full-time or part-time while the furloughed staff stayed at home and waited for the phone call to say 
you can come back to the office now. We really want you. <laughs> Debbie has actually been on furlough since March, end of March. Yep. And is finally... Uh, no, April, since April. Is that the beginning of April, though? Because I think furlough yeah. started on the 30th of March, so one day before yeah. the end of the month. And then, of course, and is supposed to be, fingers crossed, going back on the 1st of December after yes. nine months out of work. Are they... Eight months. Eight months. Well, actually, it's, it's actually seven because I then took November off as holiday because I had to use my holiday for the year um, before the end of the year. So I went, oh, I'll just take November off then as, <laughs> as a holiday. <laughs> but even so, have they offered any kind of get back into the habit routine? You know how when quite often when you're off to, um, off sick long term, unless you're me and you work for a company that doesn't give a crap. I should qualify here, I said worked for, not my current role. They give you some kind of slow easing back into routine when you've been off for a considerable amount of time. I was actually off for 10 months and I literally went from going to therapy on a daily basis and taking very, very strong medication to straight back into 8.30 till 5.30 working days. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they offer, most companies do what they call kick days, don't they, for yeah. um, people who are coming back from maternity as as well. So um, you'll come back like one day a week and then two day a week or whatever. Yeah, exactly. when, uh, yeah in, previous, in a previous job when I was off um, through stress and depression, I come back doing like, um, I think it was half my hours, then 75% of my hours and then um, into full time again. Not as far as I'm aware, they're not doing that. It is when I, um, when the 1st of December comes around, that's it. I'll be working, you know, my seven and a half hours um, or whatever um, that I do um, from from then. So it all depends on IT and how quickly they can get me up and running, <laughs> more to the point. How do so, you how do you um, feel about actually going back though, having been off for such a long time? I was really anxious um, a little while ago. Now I'm actually quite excited about going back. Um, I think I was a little bit, um, yeah, I was a bit anxious because I, you know, it's the unknown. A lot of things have changed um, within the company. Uh, they've made like twenty people redundant, um, not just furloughed people, but they've had to make redundancies. Um, we've got a new CRM system that um, was supposed to go live like a year ago um, that it didn't work really, um, particularly that well. So it got pushed back and pushed back. Um, and that's now live and, and up and running, apparently. Um, whether or not I like it, who knows? Didn't really like it when I was doing all the beta testing. So, um, yeah, this will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to go in with an open mind um, and hope that I get the companies and the clients back who I was looking after beforehand. But then you're um, not actually we... going physically back into the office, are you? Because obviously no. at the moment we are in lockdown number two. <laughs> Yay. The the Yay. sequel, the sequel that truly sucks <laughs> badly. <laughs> you know, this is, we're in the Matrix trilogy and hopefully it won't go to the third part because currently we're in the second sucky episode. But were you the last person to return? Are you the last person to return? I I will be the last person to return, yes. But um, we're still working from home. Um, So when we left the office mid-March, I literally took my desk home with me. So my desktop, 
monitors everything. Um, they had to put um, like special security measures on my desktop and stuff, which is fair enough. But I used to work from home um, one day a week anyway, so I've got a laptop here. I guess I miss that interaction. But, um, you know, being off furlough and stuff, nobody in my team has asked how I've been, which I found quite hard to begin with because I thought at least that, you know, after the first month that um, the guys who I'm working with would be um, contacting me, how are you getting on, how's it all going, um, so I could find out from them too how things are going. And I know it's a two-way street and I could have reached out to them yeah. as well. I suppose in a way, I know that when you're off sick, having been off long-term sick anyway, it is very, people feel quite uncomfortable contacting you. And though this wasn't long-term sick, there's also that fear of, am I causing more damage than good by contacting this person? Because maybe they feel incredibly vulnerable and I don't want to get into that conversation with them because it's not my place I don't know what to say I'm going to feel like I'm put in an awkward situation that I don't know how to get out of so there is that that sort of feeling of oh I don't know what to say to this person so maybe I'll avoid the awkwardness by not saying anything at all and obviously (laughs) you weren't off you weren't off sick you hadn't been made redundant you were it essentially though it's not a holiday it was kind of like you were on a long-term holiday because you mm-hmm. weren't working and you and you were still getting paid rather than yeah. being off and being cut off completely yeah I mean um I I get it I understand I mean the other girl there was two there was three of us that were made um furlough so one of them um, was to just come back from maternity leave and she was part-time and then another full-time person. Um, so the other full-time person, we once we were allowed to meet up, we did actually meet up for coffee and stuff, but we were texting and messaging each other and, and still do quite regularly. Um, she's gone back. Um, she went back in um, back this month. Um, and then, of course, with the second lockdown happening and then the government saying, oh, yeah, we're going to put everyone on furlough now until the end of March. And we were all we were messaging each other or I was messaging her saying, do you think you'll go back tomorrow? Or um, do you reckon that they'll contact you and say that you're on furlough still until like not necessarily until March, but, you know, for, for the next um, month or so? And she's like, I have no idea. And I said, well, Considering how quick they put us on furlough, I think if they were going to do that, they they would have contacted you um, by now or at least, you know, first thing in, in the morning. But she didn't get that because she is actually working. So, But they've eased her in, from what I can gather. They, Although she's doing full-time hours, they have given her um, easier stuff to, to kind of do to ease her back in. So they'll probably do the same um, same thing for me. Um, See, but, so you, there was still somebody I think that it's easier to talk with someone who you've got something in common with in the moment mm-hmm. so you were it wasn't as though you were completely cut off from your colleagues you were just cut off from the ones who were still working and the thing is yeah. it's it can be quite frustrating I've been obviously I'm at the other end of it because I was working all the way through and you get that feeling of oh my god really I don't want to talk to this person right now because I am so busy doing their job that if I speak with them I'm just gonna vent and it doesn't make anyone feel any better 
Well, I mean, venting's good. Um, yeah, but not to the not to the person. Care. Yeah, but not to the person who is stuck at home thinking, "Have I got a job?" <laughs> yes. But then for me, it was kind of um, we we were asked um, to to basically volunteer to be furloughed. We were asked to volunteer, and I said, "I don't want to be furloughed. I'd only just moved into my house. You know, I'd only been in not barely six months, and." you know financially it was kind of like I can't you know can't afford to do it and um express that I didn't want to be furloughed and then my name and um my colleague's name um and two colleagues um come up so um the other full-time person we get on really well we're um you know we pretty much started at the same time I think there was like a couple of weeks in it um and um, as work colleagues, we're, we're quite close. So we're messaging each other saying, I'm so pissed off. I can't believe that they've done this to me. And for her, her husband, um, uh, the company her husband was working for, then went into administration. Oh, God. Um, so, you know, it was like a double whammy for her. And I was like, oh, my God. Luckily, he did actually get um, another job. He wasn't out of, out of work. Um, there was a company who kind of like, um, took over a certain um, department of that company that her husband was working in. So, you know, his job was safe. But for about a month or so, it was quite uncertain um, for them of, of what was going to happen. Um, but luckily, they, you know, they got got through it. But to begin with, I guess it's like, it, for the first two weeks, it was like being on holiday. Um, and plus, it helped me kind of get through um, the anger that I had. Um, about being made furloughed um, and the first two weeks was like a holiday it was brilliant it was great the sun was shining I know you had love you had lovely I mean, weather and I was so I jealous had, of everyone that was furloughed at that point because I was working I had, all oh, the hours got sent <laughs> a gorgeous weather I was out walking in the countryside because I live out in the countryside um, and um, you know just walking getting out the house to, trying to um, sort of trying to find things to keep myself busy because it's really difficult going from like full on 100 miles an hour to like nothing um, and once the two weeks were over that's when I guess it kind of like hit me that um, oh crap I'm, I've got three months at the time it was three months yeah. we, we, um, we were furloughed for three months and it was like well what the hell do I do now <laughs> Um, and I started teaching, teach myself coding. So I got a dummies for R, I think, oh, no, VBA, dummies for VBA, although I'd done a VBA course before, um, and dummies for Python, book and another Python book. And I was just, I'd wake up in the morning, I would um, log onto my computer, um, not work computer, my own computer, um, and I would just um, do some coding. And so I could use the time off productively. Yeah. Um, so I just wasn't sitting around going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Um, over that, over the course of like three months, I put weight on, I didn't realize I'd put weight on at the time, and then um, would sit down and think, Oh my god, and just look at myself and go, Wow, you've put on weight. What on earth, how did that happen? And I know I'm not the only one, loads of people who were on fair, yeah. did it. I see and, so many, um, so many comments yeah. on fa- on Facebook and Twitter and things saying, "Oh well, I'm now, I've now got to figure out how I'm going to lose my furlough weight, <laughs> but I've still got another four months of furlough to go." 
And it's kind of, you know, speaking to my mum, I mean, mental health wise, I was okay. Once I'd got over the anger, um, I, I was okay. I mean, we, there were times when I did feel a bit low and kind of, oh, woe is me? Why did they choose me? You know, is it because I've got many disease? Is it because of, um, you know, the fact that I do suffer from um, mental health issues? Is that why they did it? Because they didn't want to stress me out too much in case um, that would um, make my many disease wrong and then I wouldn't be able to get out of bed because, you know, vertigo and everything, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Um, and then that would put, you know, them with a, a person down for at least two weeks while I recovered. Through talking to my colleague, she was like, you can't think like that. And you as well said to me, yeah. you know, you can't think like that. It's um, it's not really good for you. Um, and, you know, it's probably not even that at all. It's unproductive. You know, yeah, it's unproductive to think like that. And not only there were a large number of, of people that they had to choose from. And ultimately, it may well be that they chose people to stay in work who initially wouldn't a, be able to work from home potentially because they've got children or they've got children and they've got how they've got families to support. So they need to be. I know that when we did, we didn't do it the same way as you did. We actually had to write an essay saying why we should not be furloughed rather than why we should. And my response was because I'll start talking to the walls. But I mean, my manager was also going on maternity leave just around the time that all of this started. So they needed someone that had the understanding of the depart the way the department ran to stay in the office. Well, not in the office. I was working from home because I've got immune disorders, so I have to work from home. But it was a case of they were looking at what was right for the core team of the business at mm -hmm. that point in time rather than the individual. So they mm -hmm. were thinking about, they were taking into account situations. So is that person the better seller? Has that person got multiple skills that they can spread across something else? Are they not going to, are they going to be able to work these extra hours and everything else. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why they chose me and my colleague is that we have um, a, like a weekly thing of um, the jobs that we do and how long it takes you to do. And, you know, yeah. me and um, my colleague always had capacity to take on something else. So um, let's say I would be working um, or the hours that I would, would work um, would be like 30 hours out of my 37 and a half. So that day I would work on myself by doing um, like Python training or, you know, something that would be constructive and helpful for the um, for the team. And my colleague would do the same thing. She's like, I've got nothing to do. And I said, do some Python training, love. You know, so we had that. We had yeah. more capacity to take on other stuff. So therefore we had, it would have been easier for us to have been on furlough because of um, the jobs that we were doing. It was easier for them to be filtered into what other everyone else yeah. yeah other people's work you know they took into account I think the hours our working hours as in yeah. um you know what our what capacity that we could have um and where me and my colleague could have taken on more stuff it, they actually saw it um it would be easier the other way rather than giving us more yeah um, it would have been easier for our stuff to go to to somebody else um so that's that's how I then sort of like yeah, looked at it that's not a bad way to look at it. How did, yeah. having been off for so long, was mm -hmm. it a massive relief to get the phone call saying, we want you back in? 
Um, it was, and it wasn't. It was like, oh, for God's sake, don't, you know, you get used to, like, not working and being paid <laughs> for it, don't you? Yes. And it's kind of like, oh, for God's sake. I think that's probably another reason why I decided to take November off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got so used to being at home. But, you know, it's not been unproductive for me. I have learned, um, I've, I've tried to keep myself busy, whether or not that's reading or learning new languages, um, as in, like, proper languages. I've been um, learning French and Spanish again, um, and as well as, like, learning, um, doing VBA and, and Python, just to um, kind of keep my, my hand in, um, in doing stuff. And I've worked a lot on myself, um, not just getting back into my running and doing a lot of yoga, but learning to um, kind of be on my own and not feeling alone or lonely I'm not saying that I don't on the odd occasion I I do and and realizing that I would rather be on my own as I am now than be in a relationship that I wasn't happy with how many where times I felt where I felt lonely yeah. anyway and yeah. so it's kind of like reflecting on that you know starting my fostering journey as well so you know it's it, it's not been unproductive and it's kind of like oh my god it's almost December already it just feels like yesterday yeah. was like the first of April and that I was found <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing what have you ta- what have you taken away from all of this though um I've taken the positive out of it actually because there's there's nothing negative that's happened I've been lucky where none of my family have um been um you know had covid at all so none of my immediate family have had friends who have suffered and are now suffering the the after effects of it so I've been incredibly lucky in that respect and I'm not on my own and yes okay messaging people isn't the same as kind of being there physically and doing zoom and um and teams and stuff with um with colleagues from like the rugby club as well as um you know family and stuff um it's not the same but you know rugby is off at the moment because we're on lockdown but once lockdown's happened um we'll be back training again twice a week probably three times a week whatever so again I'll be getting out and having that social aspect of of seeing people so it's not been actually all it's not been all bad it's not been all good but it's you know trying to take the positive out of it because I can't at at this point I apart from being made furloughed when I didn't want to um there's nothing negative really that I can that I can say apart from people panic buying which was really frustrating oh that was incredibly frustrating I could I went to my local supermarket to get some toilet roll I literally had half a roll of toilet paper left I went to the local Tesco's local co-op and the local Iceland and couldn't get any anywhere so I mean I've been I've been lucky I mean if the weather was shit I would have probably felt a bit more depressed I think because I wouldn't be able to go out and do the things that yeah um I've been able to do but whether where the weather has been so lovely and sunny in some cases too hot where I haven't been able to sit out in my ha- um in my garden and I had forgotten that I'd got a garden because I'd come from like a ground floor flat where it was a mutual, gar- um, you know, communal garden that we didn't really use to then to a bungalow where you've got a garden. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got a garden out there. It's like, you know, sunny and stuff. It's like, I should go and sit out there. 
Um, so I'd just go and, and go for a walk around the countryside and find like little country lanes and um, farmer's fields to go across. Um, as yet, I've not been told off. Um, and then find a fly tipper. I was out for my run and um, I was running, running down the road and this red um, Honda Jazz drove past me and the boot was open a little bit. And I don't know why, I just thought to myself, I need to remember that license plate. And I tried to get my phone to kind of like video or take a photo of, yeah. of the license plate. So I'm like running up the, running up the lane. Um, didn't really think much of it because there's um, a couple of farms down this road. Yeah. So I thought that they might be going to one of the farms. And as I'm getting to like the footbridge to go over the railway track, um, the car had stopped, the boot was open, the guy was carrying something white and he was, and I saw him put it down. And again, it's like faffing about with my phone, trying to get it to video. And I'm like, come on, technology. Um, I'm still trying to replay the um, uh, plate in my head so I don't forget it. And then he kind of, so he stops, he gets into his car and I'm like, oh my God, there's a door there. And it was to an entrance to a farmer's field. I'm like, so I went up to him and knocked on, I didn't even know that they, you know, there could have been like an axe murderer in, in the car with him as well. I didn't know if he was on his own or not. And so I knocked on the window and went, I think you forgot your door, love. And he's like, no, I haven't. I'm like, oh yeah, you have. I just saw you fly tip it. No, I didn't. And anyway, it's the farmers. I'm like, mm, don't think it is. I think that you just, you know, dumped that there on, um, on purpose. No, I didn't. I'm like, I just saw you do it. So yeah, you kind of did. And this guy must have been like in his 60s, so he should have known better. So he drives off quite aggressively, um, drives off, but there's a railway track that's closed off. So you can't then like speed off through the village. So you've got to turn around. So he turned around and drove aggressively at me. So I'm like trying to get my phone still to, to, <laughs> to record him. And um, so I got home and I put up on our um, village WhatsApp saying, anybody know this car? Um, he just fly tipped a, a white door. So I put everything up that I'd taken, all the photos and videos that I'd, I'd taken. Um, I said, does anyone know who I, who I can contact? The people who live down that road said he came back. And I said, oh, my God, no way. He said, yeah, we um, told him off. And he said that he was coming to collect the door that his friend left. So I, um, at this point, I like emailed um, the Vale of the White Horse saying what I what it is that had happened, um, and then somebody from the local newspaper contacted me. Um, she must have seen it come up on the Facebook page because she contacted me saying would I um, talk to her about it. So I did anonymously, and then a month later, um, it was in the paper um, in Swindon, um, and prior to that, the um, I had to fill out a few more bits and pieces for um, the county council um, for Vale, and the guy got um, uh, fined four hundred pounds for a door. Well, that was stupid yeah, of him for fly tipping a door. Yes, yeah, so that was the highlight actually of me being furloughed. I caught a fly tipper. <laughs> well, there you go. So you did some. You did some civil duty. No, it's true. <laughs> that is true. So knowing that you're going back to work and several, mm -hmm. well, quite probably hundreds of thousands of people are going to be in the situation you were in at the beginning of April, what advice would you give to somebody who has just been told you're going to be furloughed until the end of March next year? Because next year always sounds like so far away, even if it's only it four does, months. But it's, yeah, it's not, is it? It's not really that far away. No. Um, I would just say, you know what, it's 
just take it in your stride don't do anything different to to what you're doing now unless it is that you know you think yeah um I want to change my job or um you know you want to learn something new keep yourself occupied however that is um learn something new learn do something that you've never done before just to keep things a bit more um just to mix it up a little bit um being furloughed is crap um and it does eat away at your self-esteem and stuff and it does make you um think you know that you can't be bothered anymore and and stuff but I think see it as a positive thing that you can work on yourself and that you can do things that you've probably not had the time to do before um and take the these next like three four months or whatever to do that and you never know it might focus you on a different path that that then you you know go down I know that at the beginning you were because I remember we had this conversation and you were very down about the whole thing understandably Mm. it's like why did I ask them not to why did they what am I going to do and I can understand that I mean my immediate thought went to when they started talking about furlough was I can't be made redundant again (laughs) I mean that was that has always hung over my head um especially when we were told that 20 people were getting made redundant but it's still, um, you know, all this ha- although this happened in August, you're you're still kind of thinking, oh shit, what if it is actually going to be me? And every month that you you see the le- um, the email from um, HR, and and you're kind of you just skim read it because you're just looking for redundancy, and then you don't see redundancy, and you're like, oh, thank God for that. And then you read it properly that you've been, you know, you're furloughed again. Um, and then one month they just completely forgot to send us out um, a message to say that we were furloughed. So I went, I take it as I haven't heard from you, I'm still furloughed. And they were like, oh, yeah, really sorry. They had some changes in the company at that point, probably um, residual from everybody being made, um, those people being made redundant. We were emailed in um, in May to say actually that it was being extended to August so it was kind of like oh that's just brilliant thank you very much I was a bit annoyed but then when it come to August well sort of like July and and then everything's sort of like getting pushed and pushed it was like well you know what I'm just going to be think that I'm furloughed until I'm told otherwise yeah but that's, and that's then, the thing though that is that is that not a relief so you've got those letters coming every single month yeah. telling you you're furloughed still you're furloughed still yeah surely the anxiety about redundancy at that point would lift slightly because if they've done their redundancy if you were going to be made redundant at that point surely they'd have done it yeah that's how I was kind of like looking at it the worry of redundancy has kind of I'm sure that the worry of redundancy has reduced now that you are going back to the office or has yeah, it has. now you're going back <laughs> um yeah no um the the worry of redundancy has gone now that I'm um that I know that I've got a job to go back to um and you know it doesn't matter how many kind of like lockdowns happen if there's going to be any more lockdowns because I'll be working from home for at least the next couple of months at least anyway um whether or not um it will be business and usual let's say February March time who knows um if it's, you know, back in March, it would have been a year out of the office, which yeah. has been really weird. Um, but I think, like I said, I, w- I will ask for more days from home anyway, if that is the case. When they announced that furlough was being increased to the end of March next year, 
did yeah. you think am I going to get another letter or were you like reassured that you were going to go back because you had a date um I I did um think initially when that was announced that um I would get furloughed um it's still early days yeah I mean um, you aren't you going know, back for another the... few days yet <laughs> yeah it's like I'm not back for another week so who knows what might happen I might still get an email at the end of this week saying yeah well you you can't come back now until January or something I'll be like yes thank god for that no um I, I don't know I think um half of me would be quite all right with it the other half would be a little bit frustrated I think um it's it's more that um I don't want to be too long out of work where I get too used to it if that yeah. makes sense it's very easy to become accustomed to because you said you said to me the other day oh I'm gonna have to start getting up earlier in the morning yeah I think, and then you said and I said what time is early and you said eight <laughs> o'clock and all I could think eight. was eight <laughs> I'm already on my second cup of coffee and I start work 20 minutes after that and I literally only have to go from one room to the other and have done since I've been working from home since the 10th of March so it's it's sort of like I st- and when you said oh I'm gonna have to start getting up at eight o'clock I'm thinking but I get up at that time on a weekend how's that early <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie-in <laughs> No, I think it's because um, when I'm working from home, um, I normally get up um, or try and log in at least um, about 8.30 so that and then I finish at half past four. But sometimes it's like more towards nine o'clock. But we can start any time up until 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited about getting getting back. A little apprehensive because, you know, it's going to take me a little while to get back into the swing of things, I think. Um, you know, it's like three weeks and then I'm off for Christmas. Um, <laughs> and then also, of course, there's going to be loads of staff who've been working while you've been on furlough who you haven't spoken yeah. to. So is it going yeah. to kind of almost be like the new girl again? I guess so. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be like, what have you been up to? It's like, well, where do you want me to start? You know, <laughs> um, I, but then I haven't really been able to do anything. I haven't been able to go anywhere, have I? So it's kind of, it's yeah it's if I could have gone somewhere and actually had a bit of a holiday I think that would have been um been nice but because of only getting um you know think like 90 percent of my wages um or something like that anyway um well furlough's 80 percent so yeah it was 90 yeah so the company paid an extra 10 percent in so it was 90 percent of my wages that I got so it wasn't too bad but still not enough for me to be able to do anything. So, but yeah, I think it would it'd be like starting a new job again, I think, because so many things have changed over the last eight months that I've been off. And then just catching up with everyone, because the first team meeting that I'm there, it'll be like, ah! <laughs> so yeah, it's it'll be nice to get back into the swing of things. Just to clarify here, I talk about rugby as Debbie is a very clean rugby coach. What have you missed more though, rugby or working? Being honest. Being honest, um, initially I missed rugby. <laughs> initially <laughs> I did, I missed rugby. Didn't really miss work, um, although I didn't like to be furloughed, I didn't really miss work. But as um, as we could get back into to, um, kind of doing some coaching and stuff, um, that sated that for, for rugby. But now I do miss um, being in work I, I think I I miss kind of having that routine 
Yeah. And um, although I've got a different routine now, um, it's it's just not the same. It's not, you know, it's not, I try and make things purposeful of what I'm doing. There's a purpose to what I do. But it's not the same as having, um, you know, that um, kind of routine of work. Yeah, the um, getting I up mean, and having some place yeah. to go or be and having that structure of sitting at your yeah. desk and carrying out the specific tasks that you have on your list. Mm. But then I guess, you know, I've been um, busy doing stuff for um, for my fostering journey and doing all the skills courses that I needed to do for, for that. And then when that finished, because it was only six weeks um, um, every Thursday morning, then when that finished, it was like a little bereavement. It's like, what do I do now on a Thursday? Morning. that's the thing though you said it was a Thursday morning so is that yeah. something you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise um no it would have been uh, you know I would have had to take a holiday for it if I was at work I would have had to take a holiday for it and um maybe work from home in the afternoon because there wouldn't be any point in me going into the office yeah if, if it wasn't for that I'd you know be you know what do I do on a Thursday morning? <laughs> but at the same time it kind of having the having been furloughed gave you the opportunity to start this journey a lot maybe a lot sooner and a lot more efficiently than you would have done had you been working in the office at that time yeah definitely because you know I was speaking to my social worker every Tuesday morning um for two hours and there's no way that I would have been able to kind of do that if I was working um although they did contact me um about um so I was supposed to go to like a seminar um, about fostering in in May um, and I couldn't go. So they contacted me saying, you know, do you still want to foster? Are you still interested? So I spoke to somebody over the phone initially and then spoke to someone through Skype or Zoom or whatever it was. And no, I don't think I would have had that opportunity as such um, in the way that I did um, had I been um, furloughed because I'd have probably been working too much um, and would only be able to do it in the evenings and that's not fair on you know on the social workers or take a again half day holiday to be able to have those um, conversations. So what is your take home from everything that's happened in the last nine months? Do you think that you've come out you're coming out the other end of it a different better person or just a a different person someone with more enlightenment and I a clearer idea of what you want what you don't want I think definitely a better stronger person um and yeah more enlightenment I think um it's given me definitely time to as said reflect on myself and what it is that I want you know the the future uh, as I see it the future's bright the future's orange no (laughs) (laughs) the future's so bright you've got to wear shades (laughs) yes um and just because you know just because I don't have everything um figured out just because my life hasn't worked out the way that I wanted it to and you know I'm 45 and it's kind of like now I know what it is that I want to do um and I have to wait till September to be able to pursue that or next September I should say to be able to pursue that but it, it's fine fostering might not be you know what I, what I want um I might find that out in six months a month whatever um so but it's just 
trying new things and and seeing if it's if it's something that I want to pursue so and in a way for being furloughed has given you that opportunity yeah I've definitely reflected on myself as I said before about being lonely and alone and stuff and it's come at a great time um especially as some of the stuff that my ex said um before I left and while we were splitting up and living under the same roof um some of the stuff kind of like hit me quite hard um and I've been able to work through that um and trying not to dwell on um on the past and um be a bit more present and just let the future manifest and unfold as it's as it's going to but not use my past to influence how my future should be so you are the master of your own destiny absolutely and it has been fantastic going over the furlough stuff I mean I'm I'm coming at it from a totally different angle because of course I have been working all the way through so while other people were furloughed I was working my fingers to the bone and kind of wishing I had been furloughed at least for a month but then it probably would have affected my mental health badly but it's good to hear that it doesn't always if you set that structure initially it is it is hard it's kind of like when you're off sick for a long time and the first thing you think is oh dear god I can't even actually go anywhere because I'm too ill I was off for seven weeks when I had my gallbladder removed because I got a post-operative infection and I couldn't even go up and down stairs so I was stuck completely in my flat even though the weather was amazing and I could have gone somewhere if I'd been out of walk <laughs> so yeah. so there is that element of furlough has been really hard but at the same time it's given you the opportunities that you probably wouldn't have had had you still had you been working full time all the way through yeah definitely i mean um as i said i'm trying to see this now as a as a positive i didn't to begin with um but you know looking at it as a negative is not it's not helpful it's not going to help me it's not going to change the situation no. the same as obviously being positive about it isn't going to change the situation but i think it's given me as you said more opportunities to be able to do things that I've actually wanted to do and and be a better person be, because of it. I've certainly changed and it's only been eight months and I don't feel the same person that I was when I first moved into my house. Eight months is three quarters of a year. Yeah. Um, in the scheme of things, though, it does it. It kind of feels like either the blink of an eye or an eternity, depending on how you view things. And I think if you view them more positively, they go at a more realistic pace than if you think all the depressive thoughts under the sun. And I know that people will do. I know that not even a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how I was terrified at the prospect of being furloughed because my mind immediately goes to redundancy. I've been made redundant four times. It's hardly likely to be far from my mind when someone says they don't need my don't need me to be in the off well not in the office but working so it is how you perceive things and how you look at them going forward so to have a focus is healthy so my focus was always kind of like oh I'll be back at work soon but yeah my um I did fear about redundancy um and knowing that I didn't need to do that. I've not really thought about it. Um, it comes up every now and again, but I think that, you know, we're all human. We're not, we can't be all 
um, unicorns and rainbows every day. <laughs> <laughs> the minute someone um, says to me, I want a meeting with you, my brain goes to dark places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so my manager wants a one-to-one I'm like shit what have I done <laughs> yeah that is exactly I think I, yeah but that's human and the thing is yeah. this I think if this situation has taught us anything it's that you have no idea what is coming tomorrow no None. things can change on the turn of a pin literally yeah. and what may be the normal one day is history the next and at the moment, yep. we are living in uncertain times. I'm not going to use the U word because I the U word. I hate because, it. Yeah, I hate that word. I really hate that word. I think that it's been massively <laughs> overused. So mm-hmm. I will I will stick with uncertain times. <laughs> and <laughs> I can't help it. But the thing to take from all of this is that positives can come from things that you initially think are bad. You can start thinking massively negative thoughts but at the end of it all they aren't going to achieve anything and it's a natural assumption to say oh well I've just been they don't need me anymore or oh well I'm going to be stuck at home and nobody's going to be able to do this but there are things you can do I mean even if it's playing on the new PS5 or the new Xbox there are things you can do and It is a case of keeping busy doing things that are constructive and things that make you feel better. You are serving purpose. Keep a routine. Yeah. That's, I think that's what it is. Definitely. It's just the routine has changed slightly. You know, it's not, oh, got to get up at eight, oh, go and put the kettle on, oh, turn my, um, you know, turn my computer on, sit down at the desk, do work um, until like half past 12, then I have my lunch and then this, that and the other. It's, you can still do that, but just, um, the focus is just different. It's not work. It's like, okay, let me read this book or let me learn this coding or let me learn this language for a couple of hours or um, whatever. You're just changing that focus, but just still keeping your brain going so you don't yeah. go completely like Insane. stir crazy. Yeah. Now's the time to experiment. Read a book by an author that you've never read before. I've recommended yeah. loads on here. So read one of them or watch a TV (laughs) show that you've never seen or watch a film that you've heard about and just didn't think that you wanted to spend three hours of your evening or afternoon or weekend watching. There are so many things that you can do that don't involve having to leave the house when we can't. And there are loads of things that you can do that involve leaving the house when you can. So if you live near the beach, head down to the seafront, do, pick up some rubbish, do something good for the environment. Yeah, I would, but I don't live near the beach. Um, caught a fly tipper instead, as we talked about. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, I mean, as I said, do something good for the environment. There are, if you live on a, if you live by the seafront or by a waterway or a country lane or country lanes that have a, a bit of a problem with fly tipping or people that dump their rubbish volunteer it's not ta- it's not a job therefore you don't get charged tax for it and you're doing something great for you for the neighborhood you live in yeah make things look <laughs> nice and pretty and tidy exactly and on that note i think <laughs> we put the world to rights <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. It's been really cool. (laughs) It's definitely interesting (laughs) and it's going to be very fun to edit.
Again, thanks ever so much to Debbie for agreeing to come on and talk about something that a lot of people are currently going through and I haven't actually experienced myself. As I've previously mentioned, I will be releasing episodes for the next few weeks on Thursdays. Next week, I have a pair of comedians on with me in the form of Ryan and Paul from Cold Callers Comedy. Listen to their show if you really want to hear something funny. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. I release a new one every week. So if you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends? Post a review on one of the many podcatchers out there like iTunes and Podchaser. Or you can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs or on Facebook at not before coffee podcast. I update on both quite a lot. Well, I need another cup of coffee as I definitely haven't had enough. So I'm going to go and put the kettle on. Until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.